On Game Developer Podcast episode 31, we have John Manning, co-founder of the game development studio Secret Lab and the lead developer of the writer-friendly branching dialogue tool, Yarnspinner, chatting about game development lessons learned from tool development and vice versa, empowering writers of every background to take on complex narrative, and the importance of dang good documentation. Back in a sec. Hello and welcome back to the Game Developer Podcast. I'm Alyssa McAloon, publisher at GameDeveloper.com, and here with just a short and sweet intro for you today, uh, because it's the week before GDC and free time has certainly become a myth for so many of us. I know I'm staring down my suitcases that still need packed and those final meeting invites, so we'll be short and sweet today. Uh, we'll jump into, jump into today's chat in just a moment, but for a quick heads up and a little self-promotion, if you'll be at GDC next week, be sure to stop by our first ever Game Developer News Desk in West Hall. We'll be running live interviews with a wide range of people in the game industry, chatting about the stories behind their GDC talks, their thoughts on current industry trends, and just game development in general. We'll be live on Wednesday, March 22nd, and Thursday, March 23rd, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Looking forward to seeing you there. For listeners we won't see in San Francisco next week, keep an eye on GameDeveloper.com. We'll have a ton of interviews, news, and talk coverage from GDC hitting the site over the next few weeks about games and companies big and small. Follow us on Twitter at gamedev.com, co-host at gamedeveloper, all one word, or subscribe to our newsletter to stay in the loop. And last but certainly not least, I want to give a big thank you to Dove for sponsoring today's podcast. They've got a great project geared at ensuring video games and game development are a positive space for women and girls, which we'll share more on in a minute. But without further ado, on to our guest. Today we're joined by Secret Lab co-founder, yarn spinner lead developer, and all-around cool guy, John Manning. And welcome to the Game Developer Podcast. I am going to be your host, co-host. I'm going to call myself the co-hostess with the mostest, Danielle Riando. I'm the ESC here at GameDeveloper.com. I am joined by my host slash co-hostess with the also mostest, uh, also my boss. Uh, and the uh, I almost said producer. I'm so sorry. You're not the producer. You're the publisher. Producer, I'm going to do that publisher, again. Editorial director. Take you it, know. Take it we can roll with it. We're good. We can do one. Every take single here. thing that happens at GameDeveloper.com, <laughs> yeah. Alyssa McAloon, and we are joined by a very special guest from uh, all the way across the globe. Uh, we have John Manning from the Secret Lab, uh, famous for Yarn Spinner. John, welcome to the show today. Hello. Great to be here. I am extremely excited for this one and you know full disclosure i use yarn spinner a lot i make like little games in yarn spinner so i i am real excited uh to talk to you about yarn spinner and about narrative and games generally and about sort of creating all of these things but first of all i will read the little tiny intro text uh that's actually at the top of uh, yarnspinner.dev which is yarn spinner is the friendly tool for writing dialogue in games. It's easy for writers to use and has powerful features for programmers. That's really good. I like that. Whoever wrote that did a great job. I just want to say uh, that. That'd be job. me. That was real good stuff. That was you. Oh, <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a really, really small team. I can imagine. It's what, three, four, five people? I'm guessing. Uh, the people who work on it full time are three people. Uh, and we oh, have wow. a really, really like 
wonderful community of people who have uh, yeah. like contributed code or contributed ideas or even just the people who just use it to make games. They they add to the product by helping us figure out what the game, what what people need. That sounds kind of ideal. <laughs> that sounds like idyllic. Like that sounds like. That's kind of amazing. Can you give us like the little bit of the pitch for sort of how this started? I know we've um, we've actually published some work about Yarn Spinner before on the site, but just for folks who might not be familiar with it, how did how did the project start? How did you actually get started with making this cool yeah, so, tool? So I guess for folks who don't know what Yarn Spinner is, it's a uh, it's a programming language designed for creating uh, branching conversations and dialogue trees uh, in games. It was. Originally, the uh, dialogue tool built for Night in the Woods. So when Night in the Woods realized yes. that uh, you know, like we needed to have some kind of way to have branching conversations, uh, the original idea was, well, Twine looks pretty good. Can we find a way to put Twine in Unity? And uh, mm. that didn't work super well because Twine is quite different to how Unity works. <laughs> uh, but like a Twine-like language ended up being, being built uh, by me. Um, so, uh, that turned into Yarn Spinner when Night in the Woods shipped, we, uh, realized that we liked that dialogue system so much that we turned it into our main thing. And so, uh, actually quite recently, about uh, a few months ago, uh, from the date of this recording, we actually, uh, spun the whole thing off into its own company. So now Yarn Spinner Proprietary Limited is actually, uh, the company wow. that, that does the whole thing now. So, Excellent. um, I was unsure yeah. about that. That's why I sort of introduced you as from the secret lab, but I was like, I think they're also yeah. a company, but also I don't want to, you know, split it up too much. So that's, that's extremely cool. <laughs> yeah. Nice. We, we, we realized like Jan Spinner was dominating so much of my studio secret labs time that, uh, it really deserved to be its own thing rather than just being a side project. Uh, which makes sense. Again, as a person who works with this and uses this, who is not a programmer, and that's that's a big part of the pitch, right? Is like, oh, uh, it's actually relatively easy to use. Uh, you can actually really get in there and do a lot of you know custom functions and and even learn how to do basic and simple functions in C sharp working with Yarn Spinner, which I think is actually incredibly exciting. Um, one thing I want to know about is sort of how you decided to be like, okay, what's the level of accessibility we want here? Like, what is actually like, okay, this is appropriate for a writer. They're, they're not going to mind too much having, you know, okay, there's a variable with a dollar sign. That's not too bad kind of thing. How, how did you actually kind of go about making those decisions? Well, the fact that we began the design and development of Yarn Spinner, like embedded in the development of a game, uh, made that really easy because we had a really, really specific, when the when the very, very first version of Yarn Spinner was being built, we had precisely two people who we needed to make sure uh, could use it. And that was Scott Benson and Bethany Hockenberry, who were the writers of Night in the Woods. Uh, and what was really interesting, I've, I've mentioned this a few times when describing uh, Yarn Spinner, but uh, Scott Benson was like basically the lead dialogue writer, the lead artist, the lead most things uh, on the game. And he didn't have time to also learn how to program as well because mm. he was already doing so much. And so we ended up on uh, a syntax that is basically you write a screenplay and then you sprinkle a little bit of code in amongst the lines and mm. that's enough. And that worked really well. We've had a number of people who uh, just say, I don't know how to program, but I know how to program in this. And what's mm. really interesting as well is, so. We have also seen the, the, the inverse of that as well. We've had um, people who have been like 100% programmers who aren't really big on writing, but they use the fact that they can temp out 
all of their lines. Like they can say like, character says something funny here. And then they build a logic around that. They focus on the logic. And then a writer can then come in and replace those lines. So you can do it from either angle. There's a really good quote from the deep dive you did with us that I was talking to Danielle about. And I remember loving when you guys submitted that like, oh God, a year and a half ago. Oh uh, that's like, well, our programmer didn't want to learn. Or, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to look at it now. I'm gonna trip it up on it. Um, the writer didn't, writer didn't want to learn, learn, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you kind of tricked them into it. Like you mix the vegetables into kind of the dessert so they don't know they're getting their nutrients as they're doing it. Like you made a very writer-friendly af- approach to programming, which is like, good job. Uh, kind of pulled the wool productively <laughs> over some eyes and made a tool that benefits a lot of people. And I just think that's great. Yeah. Like we, we, we realized that it's really easy to write code. Like this is the thing that, that, that are like uh, a lot of programmers have, have this problem where they go... There's nothing a, a, a programmer likes better than to build a little contraption. We love to build a system and go, look, I have built the library. I have built the framework. Why is no one using it? And that, like, we always designed Yarnspinner primarily to be a tool for a, a tool for a writer that happens to be a programming language as well. And that appears to have been a pretty good, like, difference to split. Like, it's, it's, approachable to people who don't know very much about programming because they don't want to have to and that seems to work all right yeah i could definitely speak from experience as someone who yeah i have a little bit of c-sharp you know i i'm doing the spaghetti code thing with everything that i make uh but kind of jumping in especially with uh the version that's out there now i actually this is slightly embarrassing i'm so sorry about what a nerd i am but i actually <laughs> did once upon a time in like 2014 maybe or 2015 start playing around with an earlier version uh the version that actually used json uh uh as, as a bit of the framework i know this is a real nerdy oh, oh, oh man yeah <laughs> uh, but especially the version that's out there now I actually got back into it by looking at a GDC talk that uh, you and Mars, um, I believe your your development partner Mars, actually did at GDC maybe last year, maybe the year before. Um, that was just like a thirty minute talk that was basically a tutorial of like here's how to write a story, an interactive story. Here's how to make a visual novel right here and now. Like go ahead and go do it. Um, and I found that to be so inviting. And so cool. And I actually show it to all my students. I, I teach on the side. And I sort of show that to all my students as like, oh, wow. a, hey, not every tool is scary. Look at look at this thing. <laughs> like, go ahead and, and kind of play with it. And it's led me to actually learn more code because I got so excited about making my own custom functions. So, again, I do think you've kind of made something uh, pretty cool here. So this is well, this that's very nice of me to say. It's <laughs> pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, it's also you know free for people you know for who who might not have like the money to be like oh okay I'm gonna now buy a bunch of custom tools and 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 a bunch of things like that. That's also really lovely, and the community is lovely as well as you had kind of mentioned there, which was something I definitely did want to ask you about. Um, so you're basically running this tool, improving this tool constantly, and running a community. Uh, and the fact that there are only three full-time people, that's amazing. Uh, so I want to ask you a little bit about sort of community management as well. Like, how do you keep that Discord so nice and so, and so positive uh, as a place for people to chat and, and learn the tool? I wish that I had like a really, really good, like grounded in community <laughs> management theory uh, answer to give you. I don't know how it's managed to stay so, stay so nice for so long. Um, but I think a big part of it is everybody in uh the various places that we are online is uh is someone who is 
actively developing games or has an interest in developing games yeah. rather than necessarily being in the audience of people who, who make games. And that creates a different kind of mindset because every person in, for example, the Discord is extremely familiar with the struggles and, and, and trials of what it's like to try and build a thing that actually works as opposed to, you know, when does this game come out or I have a bug with this game or I didn't like this game. And so I think yeah. a commu I'm not going to say that communities of makers are nicer. They're not. But I think that communities of makers tend to have a context that may not be present in other larger game-related communities. So that might be a big part, I think, of, of it. We just happen to be in a space that is by default easier to, uh, f easier to uh, be aware of and have empathy for others in the community for. Um, the other thing as well is, like, we also kind of make sure that this is not like our community is not a place to come and hang out very much it's not like your primary social space and so people tend to come to us because they need specific help and we help them and they say thank you and either they <laughs> stick around or they don't and so that means that you don't tend to have people who just are you know always sitting in the voice chat and making making it about them like i think we take a fairly yeah. strong hand in like this is our space this is a space about either yarn spinner as a product um and we can talk about like what it means for us to be a product as opposed to being a project um yeah. so this is like a thing a, a a place to talk about yarn spinner and really only yarn spinner and that i think gives us some constraints that uh helps to manage it uh and just makes it because i've got in addition to running this this community I've also got to write all the code. So <laughs> I only have so <laughs> yeah. much time. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I've got a kind of weird question to follow up on that, actually. Um, so something I've talked about with a few people is how um, kind of tech support and getting like, hey, this didn't work for me and troubleshooting that has changed over the last like 10 years. Like it used to be you would go to a publicly available forum that you found by Googling your question and you found a thread of people discussing the exact same thing. And now we've got that a little bit more locked behind like Discord channels. But it sounds like you mm. found a really great way to kind of use that. Well, you have to be in here to ask the question and then like turning that into a community. Is there a secret trick to that? Did it kind of happen by accident? Uh, are you a fan of the old approach or the new <laughs> approach? Like what's worked for you guys there? I think the Discord is one of the worst things that ever happened to tech support. I think that... Um, <laughs> Like-minded, thank you. The yeah. fact that, yeah. yeah, I mean, the fact that uh, the only way to get access to not only like the specific help that you need in the moment, but also like to find out what has worked in, in the past is to join is to is to go behind that 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 wall join the community and be in the community in a way that you just don't have to be if you're a lurker on a forum that's honestly really scary uh not only for uh, like the broader implications of what it means for knowledge to be online and accessible and archived and backed up but also like if the requirement is that you be um, social to some degree to get help, then that is really bad for people who have difficulty with that kind of uh, question asking. Yeah. And the thing about like narrative games in particular is it tends to attract a certain kind of person who may or may not have uh, additional difficulties in in, uh, in 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 social stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, it's like it's it's a thing that concerns me quite a lot. One of the things that we do to try and mitigate that is a, I fairly frequently uh, try to like do a big sweep of our, um, our our channel histories in the Discord, and uh, we actually have a 
uh, a gigantic FAQ document that we maintain on the documentation site for the Yarn Spinner, and it's just a distillation of really common questions that people have had. And that's that helps us in terms of like management of support. Like if people come in saying, how do I do X? I can just say, click here, and here's a document that already exists because, because about 17 people have the same question as you. Um, <laughs> but also, it means that like, if Discord uh, were to suddenly disappear or, oh, I don't know, get really into NFTs suddenly, uh, and we were uncomfortable <laughs> being there, um, then uh, we would have some kind of a way to preserve uh, the collective knowledge of the community. And that's really mm -hmm. important to us. Like, it's a thing that I keep seeing happening with uh, other, other projects who, with for very good reasons that make a lot of sense to them, they go, I've seen uh, two in the last week, go, we're actually taking down our documentation. It's too much effort to maintain uh, the way that you get support and find out how to use our thing will be via the Discord. And that's terrifying to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't have a follow-up there. I'm just glad someone agrees with me about that. I know, I'm like <laughs> nodding. I'm like staring off into space like, yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> because I've already to award a trophy when you said that you both created documentation and then kept it updated too because that's the tricky thing of keeping all these different like plates spinning and making sure that your technology is remaining accessible to people because that's kind of one of the core goals you set out with, uh, with uh, yeah. this platform, right? Documentation is more important than code. That's true for literally any kind of code. Hmm. Like... There is no point in the code existing if you don't know how to use it and if you don't know how to uh, extend it or get support with it or uh, turn it into the next thing that it needs to be. So like, if we aren't documenting our code, then there's no point in Yarn Spinner existing. I, I've used it a lot. I, I think I've seen every page of it uh, at this point, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Trying to figure out if I could do something or, or, or figure out on my own how to do something. And then when I can't, I, I it is lovely to be able to go to a community uh, and get help. But I, I also agree with the whole uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I do want to say, though, that like, for all of the, of the concerns that I have about uh, about Discord being a thing that is poisoning and and uh, ruining the ability for others to get access to community knowledge, there's nothing better out there right now for forming the community. So like, yeah. there's great conversations to be had. There's great features for. We had, for example, like an office hours event a couple of weeks ago where I, I just hopped in the channel and people came in and asked questions, and it was great. We all had a wonderful time. That's not the kind of thing that often needs to be backed up, and it's not really the kind of thing that is translatable into you know community knowledge with a capital C and a capital K. So like, I'm not saying that Discord is bad. I'm just saying that Discord has turned into a the default for a lot of things that it should not be the default for. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, and also communities, you know, can cohere around all kinds of things. And Absolutely. This one, this one ended up being, of course, on Discord because it's, you know, 2023. <laughs> and here we are. And that's, you know, kind of what's around, which makes a certain degree of sense. Hey, it's Alyssa popping in real quick. I want to take a minute to share a word from today's sponsor, Dove. Dove is on a mission to challenge and change female representation in video games and help make gaming a positive space for women and girls. Dove has always championed real beauty, breaking unrealistic beauty standards and putting real women and realistic body types at the heart. Since 2004, the Dove Self-Esteem Project, or DSEP, has become the largest self-esteem education provider in the world giving girls the tools they need to build self-esteem and body confidence. But the world is changing. More and more girls spend time in the virtual world of gaming, and an estimated 60% start playing video games before the age of 10. 
While gaming can have a positive influence, like finding new connections, communities, and ways to express your true self, the portrayal of women in games isn't always so positive. Female characters in games do not accurately represent the diverse gamers of the world, and are often heavily sexualized or created within narrow or unrealistic beauty standards. 74% of girls wish the characters in their video games looked more like women in real life, and parents are worried about the impact this representation will have on young gamers. Now, Dove is taking its mission to the virtual world. Dove is entering the world of gaming with the global launch of Real Virtual Beauty, a series of commitments challenging the representation of beauty online and changing education for self-esteem in the virtual realm. Dove has created a coalition of allies in the gaming industry and beyond, including Epic Games' Unreal Engine and Women in Games. Together with the Real Virtual Beauty Coalition, they are on a mission to educate and empower game developers to create healthier, more diverse female representation in gaming around the world. Together with its partners, Dove's Real Virtual Beauty can lead the way in transforming gaming into a positive place for women and girls. Let's change representation in gaming. Let's change beauty. I do also want to talk a little bit about, um, sorry, I, my cat decided she really needed to come over to the microphone, so I'm now protecting my microphone as I <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy to take questions from the cat. The cat loves yarn spinner. She's uh, made an appearance in a game I've made before, so oh. you know, there's a connection there. It's really very beautiful. It's a good name for a cat, like a, cat, a platform for a cat to enjoy, right? Yarn spinner. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yarn spinner? Oh, the absolute best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cool. Um, so I actually did want to ask a little bit about um, some of the projects that you've seen uh, with the tool, because it's it's kind of exciting to me to think about when you were first, you know, sort of developing this when you're working in Night in the Woods. Uh, did you imagine it would be this this tool that people would use for various things? Or did you kind of see it as like, oh, this is kind of a good solution to this problem, but it'll be for narrative style games, you know, basically adventure games with dialogue trees. It won't be necessarily all the things that you know, we're seeing some developers working on things with this. I had no idea. Like, <laughs> nice. the, the thing you got to remember is, is, is Yarn Spinner was made to be the dialogue system for one game. I kind of assumed that, like, if it was going to be used by anything else, it'd be, be used by games that are like Night in the Woods. So, yeah. you know, a character moving around an environment, talking to characters... So, like, maybe RPGs, maybe, but RPGs require so many additional systems. No one could ever build that in Yarn Spinner. And then, you know, we, uh, one of the community manager, uh, uh, members uh, told me that uh, they built all of their combat, including, like, abilities and move sequences, in Yarn Spinner. Not in C-sharp, <laughs> not in, like, the languages that you're meant to do gameplay code in, but in the dialogue tree. <laughs> That's <laughs> so cool! yeah um i had no idea and like i think like i flatter myself to think that like that's uh the result of it being designed in a fairly okay way uh i think like yeah for for all the noise that i made about it being a tool that isn't for programmers i'm a programmer myself and i know the kinds of things that a programming language needs to have in order to be useful for anything other than like a really narrow slice of features and so i built uh and I say I. Uh, it's not not just been me. Uh, the uh, uh, most significant contributor besides me has been uh, my colleague Tim Nugent, who uh, uh, runs uh, Yarn Spinner with me, uh, and uh, is his main job is to uh, say no, we don't need that. 
uh, whenever I come up <laughs> with an amazing idea that I've seen in a big professional programming language like Rust. I go, oh, we can have a borrow checker. And he's like, we don't need a borrow checker. So, it's good uh, to have someone to keep you grounded yeah. right? a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> Realistic. Exactly. It'd be a much worse product without his, uh, without his nose <laughs> and his yeses. <laughs> I want to ask a little bit too, because you kind of like started out game development and you kind of like looked around you and suddenly you're in tool development, right? Like how is that transition going? Are you enjoying it? Is it a similar world? And it's kind of like what are you guys working world, yeah. on now as a tools developer? Yeah. Like, like I, um, before Jan Spinner kind of happened, uh, as though it came out of nowhere and hit me like a truck. Um, before <laughs> Yarnspin had kind of happened and became the main thing that I do, I always uh, saw myself as somebody like doing, um, you know, gameplay programming or, or systems programming for, for games. And like when you're younger, you go, okay, cool. Well, I guess I'll join a studio. Uh, failing that, I'll go indie. Um, in Australia, there's not, at the time anyway, there weren't very many studios to be able to join. And so indie is the only option. Um, indie is harder way harder than than like being a larger part of a team because you've got to do everything um and so we like we are like making and releasing our own games uh for example we've got two games in the pipeline right now one of which uh began as the uh demo game for for yarn spinner uh a game called i feel fine which is uh written by uh ryan north who is uh currently uh running uh fantastic four for marvel uh the comic books um and uh the other game is uh leonardo's moonship who we're doing in collaboration with uh jim capabianco who is best known as being the writer of ratatouille um so we're doing we're making our own games it's you know a challenge but to compare that to uh tools development tools is interesting because you get to care about one thing and you get to be excited Mm -hmm. about how everybody else is making their awesome games and you get to say and i'm a part of that because you are like you're not you know creative director you're not the person who can say that's my game but you can say that like yeah cool that game is as good good as it is because of in part some stuff that i did and that's really nice Mm -hmm. it it means that you don't from a kind of selfish perspective it means you get to have like a lot of the benefits of making cool games happen without as much of the overhead of making an entire game. You know, there's a great quote, I think it's Ben Esposito, Torhorse, uh, who said, no one told me that when you make a game, you have to make the whole thing. Um, <laughs> and what's really nice about working on tools is you don't have to make the whole thing. Um, unfortunately, you have to make the whole tool, which is a different kind of problem. Kind of on the other side of that, so with uh, game development led to you making this really great tool and becoming a kind of tools development company and having a spin-off company, have there been things you've learned while developing Yarn Spinner as a tool for other people to use that have influenced the way you approach game development and the way your current projects are going? Literally every single game is completely different uh, in terms of its requirements. Um, mm. But they're different in very similar ways. So, for example, um, so there's uh, a game that we're actually uh, helping with, uh, helping a client with right now. Uh, they needed support for uh, for quests. Um, so you know, objectives go here, collect five wolf pelts, all the rest of it. And uh, they also realized that they needed to be able to, to integrate those kinds of quests in, in a very, very deep way into the other systems. 
And so when I, I went, okay, cool, well, we can make Yarn Spinner do that. We can, we can find ways to connect that. Oh, right, there's some kind of parallel that I can draw between um, the way that you specifically need your quests to work compared to, for example, the way that we evaluate the types of uh, expressions deep within the Yarn Spinner code in a way that's going to make it possible for other kinds of features to, to become available to other games. And so a thing that I've noticed is if you're doing this kind of stuff, you have to be able to spot opportunities to generalize in a way that uh, don't interfere with the specific needs of the people that you're helping out, but also uh, remain flexible enough to help everyone. And that's really like the main challenge of Yarn Spinner right now. It's, it's like, if I say dialogue trees, you go, yeah, sure, lines and choices and maybe, you know, instructions like move the camera here. But the more I get into this, the more I realize dialogue systems are not a thing that are a thing on their own. They are immensely embedded into literally every other system of the game. And the same is true for every other system you'll ever find in the game. And so learning how to participate in that ecosystem of systems is uh, really fun. <laughs> that is that's awesome. And that, that draws me right back to that idea of someone who designed an entire RPG combat system in the prompts of your uh -huh. right there. And I, and I definitely wanted to ask a little bit more about if there are projects that are using the tool in a way, you know, if you see it in the community that you're just like, huh, interesting. Uh, other, other than obviously the RPG, cause that is, that is wild and amazing and I love it and immediately want to go make something like that. Uh, but <laughs> are there other projects that are like that? Are there other things where it's like, Oh my God, I didn't, I didn't think this would be used like this. Huh? Um, there's been a couple um, so let's see, we had like, uh, a game, uh, that, uh, that someone was working on where they, they basically, like, the game needed to have the player character, like, change their identity over and over and over again throughout the course of the game. And so the game had, the, the, the implementation of the dialogue system needed to support, like, uh, completely switching out almost every element of the character on the fly. And so the way that they ended up doing that was they basically made some some heavy use of some specific features inside Yarn Spinner that allowed them to swap out different chunks of lines based on um, based on variable stuff. And they basically ended up like rebuilding their lines on the fly in the dialogue system in their game. So not only was like Yarn Spinner like <laughs> delivering content to them, they were basically rebuilding their lines in the middle of the lines. It was not a thing that I ever anticipated doing when I built it, but it worked all right for them. They shift. That's extremely cool. And a follow-up to that, if there are things you want people to make with it that you haven't seen yet, if there's something you're just like, you know, it'd be so amazing, this thing. I have been a... I've been really, really interested in um, any kind of game that is designed around, like... We have a lot of people who make um, like smaller indie style games because there are more people making making smaller games than there are large studios making large games. So just by volume, the number yeah. of people working on games tend to be tend to be smaller uh, solo indie things. We have had a few yeah. large studios uh, make pretty heavy use of Yarn Spinner. One of the ones that comes to my mind is um, uh, uh, the game Lost in Random uh, by by Zoink. Um, and uh, actually another game that was written by Ryan North. Um, and like, I'm really interested in like seeing more of the games that are in that middle ground of like 
a team of people, a small team, but a team, who are yeah. using Jan Spinner to uh, not just like bang out like a few a few dozen pages of dialogue, but work together. Like I, I, I'm really curious to see what it's like to collaborate using Jan Spinner because nearly every single thing that I've seen so far has been like a few writers. And like I get the impression that outside of the existence of of larger teams where you have a dedicated narrative producer who's in charge of coordinating stuff if you don't have that then you kind of have to do a lot of work on your own you kind of have to be your own producer your own person managing all of these different assets and so what i what i'd love to see is what it's like to use yarn spinner when there's five of you not not three but like you know a bunch but not a crowd I'm really curious to see what that looks like. I guess kind of what have you set up internally to support that? Because when I think of like a tool like Yarn Spinner, it is kind of small groups or like one person really accessible for smaller people with less funding to just get in there and make a game. What does a lot of people look like? Like what is the kind of like fantasy version of that you're hoping for? I am, like the fantasy version uh, that, I'm, that, that I'm really hoping for is uh, someone who is like tying in stuff like a Notion or a Trello or something like that like they're, they're, they're using the fact that Janspinner is just plain text so it's not like a binary format uh, it's not a, uh, a thing that you can only interact with using dedicated tools which like that's not the case for other narrative tools out there uh, where they have their own custom format and the only way to, to deal with it is via their tools like mm-hmm. uh, the, the ideal version of this is someone sees enough uh, of a pipeline that could exist that they build stuff around Yarn Spinner. So, like a technical director or a narrative, narrative uh, a te- technical lead can come in and like build a narrative pipeline using Yarn Spinner as a component. Now, like one of the things that uh, makes uh, it possible for us to be able to be a business doing Yarn Spinner as our main thing is we uh, are, like working on tools and pipelines that allow people to do that themselves. Um, so, uh, yeah. like we, like we do services we can uh, embed inside your game. I'm not going to turn this into an ad for my stuff, but like, uh, no, please do. Oh, yeah, well, go for it. <laughs> then please, uh, <laughs> please hire us. We're really yeah, exactly. good at yarn spinner and narrative tools. Uh, <laughs> and we can make a really fantastic dialogue tool for you. Um, but like, even if it isn't us, like it should be possible for people to build yeah. their own things around our tools and turn it into a thing that we could never even conceive of. And yeah, that's that's that, that's what I dream of. I think of, like, the easy answer to that is just an, an amazing writer who makes the next big RPG, the next big, you know, a uh, huge open world thing, and there's so many lines of dialogue to manage, and it can handle it in a sweat. That, like, that would, that, that's an easy answer to give, but, but also, we <laughs> people know how to write. Like, writing... Designing a tree of dialogue is not a brand new problem. People know how to build a dialogue tree. But what appears to be increasingly difficult is to build a lot of them that integrates with game systems and is manageable by a hundred writers. That's really hard. And that's a thing that I'm really keen to try and solve. Oh gosh, I forgot the name that you said earlier. You guys spun off um, into a company specifically to support Yarn Spinner, right? What was the name of that again? It's actually called Yarn Spinner. We actually get it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's look at uh, that. Look uh, at that. The, the, uh, the, the full name is uh, uh, being an Australian company. It's Yarn Spinner Proprietary Limited because we're, we're, we're quite bad at the end of it. 
For, for, for <laughs> a while, we were, we, were, we, were, we were going to call it the, the General Narrative Corporation, but then we realized that that acronym for GNC, and that's something different. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of like a weird like vitamin metaphor for having good tools to back up your processes. I mean, you right? were talking There's about like you know, hiding the vegetables inside <laughs> inside yeah, the rest yeah. of the meal. There it is. <laughs> so you might have answered my exactly. question by the way you named your company here. Um, but are you guys looking at the stage like growing beyond Yarn Spinner into other tools that support narrative in different ways or support kind of like other areas of game development in kind of a similar spirit to how you've approached Yarn Spinner? Or are you solely focused on Yarn Spinner right now? So I think that Yarn Spinner is going to end up growing into things that uh, are narrative adjacent. I mentioned earlier quest management stuff, which we mm-hmm. uh, initially started doing yeah. for a client, and that'll probably spin out into uh, not its own separate product, but certainly like another chunk of what Yarn Spinner is, because like game narrative and quest systems are very, very deeply interconnected, and uh, the more tools we can offer to support people building those kinds of things, the better. So yeah, we're definitely looking at uh, building larger, more more sophisticated systems than just the original simple thing that uh, Jan Spinner started life as, as just the branching dialogue tool for Night in the Woods. Um, so that's in, that includes things like, you know, uh, character management, location management, uh, but also one of the things that I'm really excited about is some of the stuff that we're doing with using uh, the same kinds of tools that support, that, that allow a compiler to reason about uh, a computer program. The same thing can be done for dialogue uh, systems as well. So, for example, it's possible to aim our tools at a uh, at a dialogue tree and then prove that literally every single line of dialogue is reachable through some kind of mechanism. One of the things we did for uh, Night in the Woods for the Japanese localization was the uh, the Japanese localization team wanted to validate that they got all their lines you know right that they that their, their translations worked well enough uh, in 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 the context of how that was delivered and so they asked us is there a, can you give us just run-throughs of uh, like run-throughs through the game that can hit every line and I've since realized that's a pretty common ask and people do that like they just produce that by hand like okay cool well I guess you talk to this guy first and then you go down this path um I didn't do that because I'm a fool uh I instead realized I decided well this must be computationally possible to solve and so I did um and so I wrote a program that basically produces uh, I think it produced about 47 walkthroughs of Night in the Woods um that says basically go go here talk to this person choose the second option you'll see these lines choose the third option you'll see these lines and then go talk to somebody else okay cool now start the game again in this time turn left talk to that person choose the first etc etc and like um <laughs> it worked really well because like it took about an hour to produce every walk uh, every uh walk through every every uh, like chain of actions that the player needed to do and they were able to validate all their all their lines and then i then i learned that that's not common tools like this don't really exist uh, but they exist on my hard drive. So um, yeah, that, that's likely going to end up being like one of the next things that we do. Like basically uh, tools informed in computer science that allow people to reason about the logical structure of their narrative uh, in a way that like really reduces the producer burden uh, and also the QA burden as well. Because one of the things you can do with a tool like this is you can basically po- uh, select any line of dialogue in your entire game and have the computer figure out if you saw this line what kind of 
game state would you be in right now? Like, okay, you must be in this location because that's where this character is. And you must have at least five gold because to get to that point, you must have already bribed the guard to get through the lock gate to talk to that person. And so, therefore, your gold is at least five. And so we can basically produce an entire save game through nothing more than a line of dialogue. And that's really exciting. There's kind of a mental image that's rolling into my head as you're describing this, and maybe this is all of game development, but it's like that scene in like the black and white Frankenstein, or maybe it's young Frankenstein, takes off the goggles, throws a switch up, and exclaims, like, it's alive. Like, yes. That kind of like experimental <laughs> approach and the passion like is kind of coming through in what you're saying right now. I can picture it. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I've, got, I've got a bit of an academic background in, like, I've... I, uh, my my doctorate was in nothing like this, but it was in actually in community management. Um, I, I my, my my PhD was in like oh, how people manipulate Reddit, um, and but like I've kind of applied oh. that kind of that kind of background to this kind of thing. Uh, I don't pretend to be the world's greatest computer scientist, but like I know how to experiment. And that's really cool and fascinating. And actually, that that made the Frankenstein image even more strong thank you i mean <laughs> I say, a company that's logo is, based, is like based on that yeah oh shoot it's all oh, coming no. together then <laughs> it's it really is like oh my god this is all the pieces of the puzzle are coming together uh speaking i suppose of the pieces of the puzzle coming together um what is it like having a, a tools company as well as a game development studio as well as sort of community management how do you balance these various things that you're doing all at once. I don't uh, know. Do you, do, you uh, have, do you all sleep? <laughs> I hope you all sleep. Uh, <laughs> Look, I play a lot of Destiny yeah. 2, um, which is a game that Good. I find... I that, That's a game that, like, uh, more game developers appear to play than anything else, which I think is really interesting, at least people working in, in, in narrative, which I find fascinating. Yeah. But, um, yeah, look... <laughs> The balancing of those kinds of things is a real challenge. Um, like, uh, yeah. sometimes, some days I go, okay, cool, I guess I have to, the entire day is going to be emails. The entire day, like, I want, I, I need to ship this feature, but I cannot ship that feature unless I have, for example, gotten buy-in from the rest of the community. So, for example, we try to do our best to, whenever we make big changes or big additions to what Yarnspinner is, we don't, like... We don't feel that we have to run everything by the community, but we try to. And that's actually part of the reason why, like uh, you were asking earlier, how do we keep the community nice? I think part of the way that you can do it, not the only way that you have to, but one of the ways you can do it is to make people genuinely involved in the process of building this thing. Um, that, that really helps. That uh, means that you have people who are ready to help you when you need to lean on their help. Um, it's one of the biggest things about open source uh, in that, like, we don't have users. We have, we have, we have users. We, but we also have people who are community members who happen to be using our thing. Um, so when it comes to like deciding how we're going to spend our time, uh, like, I am embarrassingly playing it by ear more often than I'd like. Uh, but I spend a decent amount of my time just thinking through if I decided to do task A or task B today, which of those are going to have the best longer term outcome for the longevity and the survivability of, of Yarnspinner as both a project that people like and also as a business entity that can continue to pay my wages. I, I, 
I juggle a couple of weirdly, oddly different things, so I, I understand the, <laughs> the eternal struggle of keeping all the plates spinning. Yeah. <laughs> so, very fair. Uh, kind of building on, like, themes of community and, I guess, just, like, your, like, Yarn Spinner's goal as, like, an entire project. Um, there's one line, again, from the deep dive you did from us years ago, or a little over a year ago, uh, talking about how complex storytelling should not be the exclusive domain of those with technical skills or those with the resources to hire or build a large team. Um, they should also be the domain of the underrepresented, the diverse, and those who have a passion, interest, or inclination in writing an engaging interactive work, but don't necessarily have the technical skills or resources. Um, I've quoted yourself at you. Yeah. How has that kind of like developed and changed in the last like year or so? Like, is that still the principle at your company? And I guess, what do you think the next steps to that level of accessibility and just getting that technology to people who want to tell stories is? So it's never been easier to make something. Um, so tools like Godot, tools like Twine, tools like Ink and Yarn Spinner and, uh, and, and all the rest make it very, very, very easy to, uh, to make some kind of thing. The, the thing that gets in the way more than anything else is getting it in front of people. Um, one of the things we added to Yarn Spinner uh, quite recently was the ability to, um, to take your dialogue tree and very quickly spit out just a, a single web, a single HTML file uh, that's completely standalone and you can just email to someone. Originally, that was designed to be a, uh, a tool for uh, writers who needed to uh, review something with their, with their producer, with their lead, with uh, someone else who's going to like, check their work. Um, and what we found people doing is uh, using it as a way to like distribute the final game. Um, now we're not going to get into the business of like being a platform because I don't want to have to be like the, the, the thing in between someone and their audience. Uh, my goal is to be, and not, not, I was about to say a conduit, not even that. I, I don't want to be involved in any way, uh, in like the way that a game gets from a game maker to the audience that, that plays it. But what I do want to make sure that Jan Spinner is, is something that, uh, is a thing that you can play with. Um, the, the the narrative uh, researcher uh, Max Kraminski has a great uh, great term that they use, uh, a narrative instrument, which is if you think of like a musical instrument, it's a pick, it's a thing you can pick up and you can jam on, and music can kind of just happen just through you playing it. I kind of want to make Jan Spinner uh, like a narrative instrument. It's a thing you can pick up and you can start making something with. Now, something might be something very, very small. It might be, you know, the small little little slice of life that you made about you know, your, uh, your difficulty getting up in the morning. Or it could be something incredibly large, like a very large RPG uh, that I happen to know some, some very large games are being made with uh, Yarn Spinner right now. Uh, I, I want to make Yarn Spinner a thing that is as flexible as a guitar. Uh, anyone can pick it up and there's a wide range of different kinds of things they can do with that, whether that is a gigantic stage show or playing a small song for their friends. And that's kind of like the, the guiding principle for the tool. Seems like you've got a good start on that already just from hearing Danielle talk about it and where you guys were a year and a <laughs> half ago and where you are now and like what the road forward is. It seems like you're the right person for that goal uh, and the right tool and everything's going well. So I hope the rest of the road is smooth sailing for you. That's really, really reassuring to hear that someone thinks that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so now we talked a little bit about uh, not wanting to advertise yourself. You want to advertise yourself? We're going to wrap up here in a minute. It's been an amazing talk. Uh, the time just flew by, actually. And if we didn't have a big clock in front of me, I would not believe how fast this flew by. Um, for, Same. I guess, yeah. Yarn Spinner, for uh, yourself, where can people reach you and learn more about the tools that you're working on? Yeah, so you can find out more about Yarn Spinner at yarnspinner.dev. Uh, we are on Discord at discord.gg slash yarnspinner. We're on Twitter at uh, yarnspinnertool. We're on GitHub at yarnspinnertool. And also uh, we're on Mastodon at yarnspinner at team.mastodon.dev. We're on co-host uh, as yarnspinner. We're everywhere. We're yes. basically anywhere that, that, that you can find people. We are generally there. Uh, and we're also going to be at GDC as well. Um, so uh, if you want to meet up and chat, I'd love to have a conversation with you as well. Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to it. Maybe we'll run into each other at GDC too because we're heading towards it. But I'll bet. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs>